Hey there, everybody. want to tell you guys about our friends over at Studio Sweden. That's S-U-D-I-O. They are a headphone company, and if you're like me and the rest of the entire world, you like to listen to things with headphones in, and that's perfectly fine. Everybody's got their headphones that they like and they love, but trust me, from the guy that's the music guy, you always need at least a backup pair of headphones. Why not go to studiosweden.com and check out their products? They have a ton of great gear waiting for you, whether it's over-the-ear, in-ear, earbuds, whatever the case may be. They've got it, and they've also got you covered for your wireless headphone game. If you have not gone wireless with your headphone game, you need to do that. Go over to studiosweden.com. Use the promo code Sight and Sound. That's Sight A-N-D Sound for 15% off. Get your headphone game on par. So I guess we're just going to sit around and talk about fonts Whoa. when we start this. We are, and by we, I mean, yes, both me and you are Photoshop experts. Yeah. And they geek out about things like fonts and masking. And You don't even know what masking is. I have no idea. And yeah. anytime that little icon pops up, like that extra thumbnail in the layer. Well, I don't know what this is. I, oh, my God. I freak out. I just... I. Control, <laughs> control alt z or whatever it is to undo whatever i yeah. just did oh my god it scares me like get out of here yeah it's it's strange uh kayla bought a ipad pro and i've been nerding you mute that i'm just kidding yeah we have kayla in the room again because she was such a big hit from the after party that we had last week so now she's uh monitoring this podcast as well are we gonna let her talk uh as of right now no. no, but I will relay anything that she has to say about Colin Trevorrow or Architects or American Horror Story. She, know, I mean, she knows about all of those subjects more than we do. Probably. Anyway, she bought an she bought an iPad Pro, and uh, why are you so much louder than me? I don't know. I've been. It's fine. Don't touch it. It's fine. I'll fix it in post. I'll add a compressor. And uh, anyways, I've I been, touched it. I've been nerding out about this uh, iPad Pro <clears throat> now because now I want one, and I can't even draw. You can do a lot more things on an iPad Pro. Wait till you hear about this new gadget. What do you know the about iPad it? iPad Pro. What do you know about it? It's a tablet, and right. Apple doesn't do anything any any more special than anybody else. So I have a laptop. Yeah. Yeah, the laptop works just fine. I miss my laptop days. I'll tell you what. So I had a laptop, then I went from a laptop to a desktop. Stop fiddling with the thing. He's fiddling with the red box. Don't you know anything about filmmaking? You do as much as you can in camera so that you <laughs> you have very little editing and post to do. We've, I'm trying to accomplish as much as I can. I feel like I'm not even on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can see you talking. Michael Campbell. Brody Koning. Can you hear me? Who are these Tiff? people? 
Shout out to Ralph Lenardic. Anyways, first of all, how does that make you feel, Brody and Michael? They know that I love him. <laughs> I was going to say. You're... Michael K. called me the better of the two of us. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I didn't defend you when he said that, even though he was clearly joking. Anyways, uh, one thing we just haven't addressed, and I actually feel pretty awful about it. We, I've done, we've done many podcasts in this last few weeks. I haven't listened to your uh, movies episode yet. So what do I care? I just wanted you to hear the first 10 seconds. So did you do ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs? No, I'm going to, I'll play it right now. Uh, keep, keep talking and make your point. So I have not addressed, uh, this hurricane stuff going on. We have a ton of people uh, that follow us and are friends with us and whatnot on our Facebook group and uh, probably a lot of other people listening to living in the Florida area. And I just hope everybody stays safe because that's some scary shit. I've never been in a tornado. Are you going to play this thing in my serious, while I'm making my serious point? Uh, What? Did I ruin it? Yes. It's, It's fine. Of course I was going to play it during the serious moment. As soon as you were done, I was hitting play. We'll just go ahead and hit play, and then we'll bring it back up. No, um, I'll just... it's It'll be a good segue for the movie portion. Just keep talking. Okay. Um. So, have you ever been in a tornado before? Uh, I'm afraid that my response might sound insensitive, but anytime... We'll say whatever. A, it's just supposed to be a release for people. Anytime I get a tornado warning in Frankfurt... I don't think anything of it at all because it never turns out to be anything. It's just never a thing here. I'm not saying we don't get the warnings. We do, but it just never it's amounts. It's like the boy who cried wolf. I, I've still never seen a tornado in person. Well, they run, they check them like once a month, and one of them is super close to where I work, one of the horns, the sirens or whatever. And my God, I mean, I hear that thing all the fucking time. I mean, regardless, I, I've never been in a tornado. But do I, they do they test like once a month? Like, yeah, do, that's what I just said. Yeah, uh, how is it? Yeah, it is. So it always kind of it doesn't freak me out, but I'm just kind of numb to it, like you. But are you writing metal lyrics over there? Yeah, I am. I'm numb to the tornado sirens. It's actually kind of badass. I'm numb to the sirens of the wind. Can we start a band? <laughs> no, maybe. I would love that. Thought about in between. In between separator projects and solo albums, writing legitimately, legitimately writing music for you. That way, you won't have to bug me about it anymore. You don't really bug anybody about it, regardless. Just because I haven't done that in a long time. You've given up. Yeah, pretty much. I hate music. That's that's evident. Regard- That'll be my uh, bio- biography title. Regardless, I think everybody. I hope everybody's safe. Uh, Ross Cassidy, Ralph, Christina. Who else lives in Florida? Evan. Evan DeGraff is in Florida. I don't know who else. I'm probably forgetting people, but be safe. It looks scary as shit. One thing that I did. I think, um, I can't remember. I thought that, uh, Aaron Turner lived down there, but maybe I think I'm you're right. Maybe I'm not remembering that because I, I remember, no, Star Wars Celebration was there in Orlando. I know he went to that, but I think he's. I think he's still from the Midwest. I think he's from like, I don't know. I don't think he's from Florida. But regardless, Aaron Turner, I hope you're safe. Yeah. Wherever. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I did something on Twitter yesterday that I don't normally do. I, I, Tweet? 
I got like mildly not not even really political. I I, I guess it's technically not political, but uh, I, I just got pissed off because what's his name? What's his name? Kirk Hammett? No, that's Kirk the, Cameron. That's Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron is from Metallica. Kirk, Kirk Cameron tweeted this thing that you see people do. Uh, people of the cloth, Christian individuals. This storm is a reminder of of God's power over us. Yeah, I, I don't care what you believe, honestly. Like I legitimately don't care what you believe in and if if that is something you believe in then that's fine whatever however there is a time for sensitivity when you just don't need to say fucking garbage like that especially as some former child star who's making a name as some snake oil salesman fucking kirk cameron you bastard i had a Your sister's more successful than you i had a customer today who said that he hoped it wiped out all of Florida. Oh, yeah? Why is that? He, I guess, hates people that much. And he was dead serious. Like, I thought he was, yeah. I thought it was some kind of black comedy thing. And because even that would have made me laugh, but like, it didn't make me laugh. Yeah, for sure. He was, he, he was, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, so, it sucked. Some people are just, uh, did you see no. the? Did you see that? I, I don't know who he is. I don't remember his name. But did you see that fighter who was who had that big, uh, long thread of tweets talking about basically depression just being non-existent? No. And his his um, logic was: I've never had depression, but I'm always happy. So depression doesn't exist. Yeah, and that's essentially how he worded it, ladies and, like, and gentlemen. That's what we call anecdotal evidence. And then, of course, I saw so many people just firing off like China doesn't exist because I've never been there, like that kind of stuff. So it was really funny. Uh, Roca got in on it. Uh, Nick Mundy got in on it. Like a bunch of people were just trashing him because yeah. this guy was just moronic. Well, it's also, I mean, yeah, that's clearly just a lack of information in general. I mean. He was a fighter. He's like an MMA fighter. I, I, yeah, he's some kind of fighter. I mean, traumatic brain injury in general, CTE, can lead to depression. I mean, it's that, an I think that was your... Nick Mundy's joke is like, yeah, let's listen to this guy who gets hit in the head for a living. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's kind of like I kind of felt like a Christian the other day. Like, you don't always have to type that thing, that statement that he made. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been going back. Of course, I look at Time Hop every day, but now they've updated the app to where you can actually go directly to the post instead of just seeing a an image of your post. Oh yeah. And so, anytime I see a tweet that I find questionable, I will delete it because I, I've said you're self censoring yourself. I've I've said some things over the years. You're redacting. I think are funny. Yeah. I still think they're funny, but I looked at it and was like, yeah, there's no way I can do this anymore. Like one one I uh, deleted today was me bragging about how my black friend gave me permission to say the N-word. And I was like, yeah, that sucks. And, and if, this was like from six years ago, to be fair. And uh, it wasn't like it was last year. Yeah. yeah. But uh, at the same time, I'm like, I think this is funny and it really happened, but it's like, and there's no guarantee, like, there's no way anyone's ever going to see that tweet again. But I just right. didn't feel good about it. And I was like, yeah, it's just not. And I removed it. Yeah. Looking back, looking back on the past, reminiscing about the past is one thing. 
But sometimes if like, yeah, the only real window we have of that documentation is like social media things. It's not always great. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder like when I am. So today that was telling you off air, but today I rekindled a friendship uh, and hung out with my buddy Mark who used to play guitar in the band that I was in. And it was just strange. It's strange catching up. I mean, we literally hadn't seen each other in probably nine years. Yeah. And it's just, what are you trying to do? Kayla's trying to stretch her legs out. All right. Has this ever happened? We're podcasting. <laughs> You're going to kick the mic stand. Her legs are literally draped over me. Her it's toe is literally an inch from kicking that mic stand and punching you in the face. Yeah. Uh, so... Anyways, hung out with him, had a beer, and I tried as hard as I could not to go down memory lane with him, but he brought it up. We had a great time. <laughs> Reminiscing about old I I get self conscious tours. I do too. I get self conscious going down memory lane because it's like I don't want because we'll do that forever. You know what I mean? It's like that every ten years I might see one of my longest friends and every time we're together it's just about reminiscing like I want it to be more than that. I want oh, it to be like just making new conversation. Like uh, recently I spoke to my high school best friend, uh, Josh Lynn. Um, I've told you about it. His, uh, yeah, he directed uh, Fast and Furious. Yeah. And uh, his wife is a, a successful gamer on Twitch, which is really cool. Shout out to her. Um, but uh, I didn't even say her name. <laughs> Girls, Girl of the Realms uh, is her Twitch and her Instagram. But, um, but yeah, he was my high school best friend and he moved away and he lives in San Diego, uh, right now and he's in the military and, um, yeah, I, I haven't seen him in forever and I called him on the phone like a couple months ago and it's, I tried so hard not to bring up like anything that we actually experienced together and it was just all about new conversation. It was kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it was fun to reminisce. It's a nice little icebreaker, I think, to get into conversation. I mean, we ended up going into like, hey, what music are you listening to? Stuff like that. Um, it also was a reminder. It, it was sort of a reminder that for a long period of my life, and I'm sure you're like this with movies, like I, w I was always, uh, t I've always been the guy that tells people about new music to check out. <laughs> And literally telling him about things, he looked at me like he hadn't heard about a new artist <laughs> since the last time we talked. It was just kind of funny. But um, uh, yeah, the other thing I want to get your opinion on is a new story that uh, I did a YouTube video about. And I actually do want your take on it because some of my... Uh, we are on the same wavelength. I, I wanted to bring this up to you today. So when this new story came out, well, okay, so there is a band called As I Lay Dying, <laughs> and they not only were they a very, very good band in the metalcore music genre, they were one of the biggest. They were the band. Yeah, they were like the pinnacle band at at, at a time when that music genre was as big as it's ever been, and uh, their vocalist, Tim Lambesis, uh, actually, he, he ended up going to jail because he hired a hitman to kill his wife. And that didn't end up happening. Yeah, she didn't die. Yeah. yeah. But it happened. Thank the plot. Yeah, thank Jesus. That didn't happen. But uh, thank Kirk Cameron. That didn't happen. But yeah, so he went to jail. He tried to kill a guy or a girl. And he just recently was released from jail. And he's already talking about 
starting as LA dying back up, but without the rest of the band, like the rest of the band pretty much has made him an outcast. They've said he, he has ruined our lives. He's ruined people's lives by doing this. He's ruined our careers to a certain extent. And so I pretty much just reacted to this news. Like as somebody who was a fan of the band, like I can't listen to their music anymore. I can't listen to that guy. I think it's kind of shitty that he's out it's fine if he wants to make music like everybody deserves a second chance but to pick back up this band and try to like make money off of it again it just seems like a little bit shady to me not not necessarily shady but just kind of shitty is what it sounds like and for the most part the most people most people that i talked to were of a similar opinion um but then all of a sudden we just got this flood of people commenting on the video being like, that, you're a fucking idiot. That for- is what is unsettling the most. Yeah. So it's it's not even so much the fact that Tim Blaine Beasts wants to make music again. That's not the part that I took away from it. It's the fact that I get those notifications just like you. Yeah. And I see the people uh, the, the one are are excited about his next project. And the, I, the one I'm baffled the one that. I was the most like shocked by was the guy that said, well, it's not like he actually ki- killed her. Yeah. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, Sem- semantics. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so by him trying to kill her, that makes it okay. I guess if someone tried to rape somebody and didn't succeed with it, that would be okay. Like, no, you're talking about it. Regardless, you're talking about a motherfucker that went to jail. Like yes, he was guilty. Convicted. Yes. And I And that's what I said in my video. I was like, we can talk all we want about uh somebody like like OJ Simpson, oh, oh he's guilty, even though he didn't go to jail. Michael Jackson had all these alleged things going on with him. No, Tim Lambisis fucking went to jail for I, it. I uh He's convicted. I uh I tend to have this I think I'm open minded when it comes to separating art from artists. Yeah. I think it just I'm fine with it kind of it's just letting people decide what works for them and what doesn't. And I don't think anyone's written that rule book either. And so I know that like, depending on the case, I might feel better about someone like Casey Affleck. But when I see, when I hear about what Jared Leto does on Reddit, it's like, I don't know if I'm a fan of him anymore. So it's sort right. of a case by case. It is. It also just depends on how much is actually exposed and how much is hearsay? There's also a whole other side to this too. The fact that they were a Christian band, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he came out since then talking about how all of that was like a farce in general. Like he had stopped believing in God well after he was capitalizing off of it, right? Um, and I think that's a that's something a lot of Christian bands do. I, oh, 100%. I wouldn't be surprised if any Christian band said that they use that label under to oath, just get big. Under oath, have gone on record as saying that. Prada, well, sort of. Does Prada talk about that anymore? I don't think I don't know if they've talked about it or not. Prada used to stop. I mean, they're writing show. They're writing songs about Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking done with the Christian label. They used to stop their shows so to pray. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, really? I mean, you can be a Christian band all you want, but you don't know that everyone hears. Yeah, I mean, I so don't anyway, know. that's a weird rabbit hole to go down. But back, yeah. to, back to back to my point. Uh, is I'm pretty open when it comes to deciding what works for you when art versus artist. But this is a no brainer. I just think this is this is totally different. This is totally different. Well, I, I think uh, I think it's kind of I don't know. It was just hilarious to me 
the the reaction how different it was after enough time because i i walked away from that video being like a successful video like people agree we were on, on board weeks later no not the case it, it was just i don't know a little bit shocking but if anybody else is interested in like this topic of of what you were saying separating art from the artist and this and that and how sometimes we struggle uh to keep up with artists and people that we're fans of after they've done crappy things there's a podcast called the music snobs and they go through a, t- a huge list of people and talk about the psychology behind it and whatnot. Like I didn't even, there were things that I didn't even really realize. Like, I guess there was some like sexual abuse allegations or maybe uh, uh, with Prince, I think, or some sort of, um, I, 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 I don't want to talk more about it without knowing the information, but it's an interesting podcast. Check it out. Music snobs, wherever podcasts are found. <laughs> To me, that's kind of like if people like I did that video after Zack Snyder left Justice League. Yeah, that'd be like if people were like cheerleading that move or yeah. something like it would have just kind of almost made me sick. Um, right. Do you remember, you know what else? This this happened around the time. This is not our music topic, but th- this whole ta- Tim Lambesis thing happened around the same time that the lead singer of Lost Prophets. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yep. I, I almost don't even want to say what he was accused of because it makes me so sick. Well, the but, the guitar player and one of the main songwriters of Newfound Glory uh, was kicked out of the band because of some issues going on with like messaging back and forth underage girls. And his existence from the band has essentially been like erased. And and what, what I <laughs> referred to, I didn't even say it, but... Th- that's worse than what you just yeah, said. 100%. Like, I just don't want to say it, but it's because yeah. it's so <clears throat> despicable. Yes. And gross. Um, but I, I, I haven't listened to that band since. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, that was a weird discussion. Uh, on I'm the glad top, we brought it up on the topic of religion, something I want to do. address. God, one thing, religion, one thing I, well, one thing I talked about in my movies episode is how Fight club is responsible for me. Losing my religion, <laughs> which is an REM song? which is actually I love that song so much. It's a um, good song. It's actually that's actually a hyperbole. It's who knew Who knew case. Ryan Snelling listened to REM? Uh, it is hyperbole, though. I I said it as a joke, but I think one thing that I didn't address very well is the fact that I was losing my faith about yeah. the time that I saw Fight Club, and it was at this time of my life where basically I went from private to public school. I was getting into movies and sort of all at once I was learning about the world when I was culture shock sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, you know, already 15 years old. And so anyway, I talked a little bit about that, but um, I don't even know where I was going with that. I remember I remember listening back to my episode and. It sounded like I was sort of praising. Jesus. No, the opposite. Satan. Yeah. (laughs) okay like i was just absolutely just so and maybe people listened to it and they didn't think that i came across this way but it kind of felt like i was just so satisfied to be out of religion and i I guess that the point that i wanted to make and i don't know if i even need to do this so i'll make it quick but um like you said before i'm fine with people believing whatever as long as it's (laughs) it it is uh of good morale and uh but um 
I have a problem with the organized religion that I came from and sort of the lifestyle. I was mainly talking about my personal account instead of making right. a blanket statement that, uh, so anyway, that's something that I wanted to, uh, to note. Well, just speaking, uh, since we're just on the subject, speaking from my own experience, you know, I was, I was in a band that was commonly mistaken for a, like all, all out full on Christian band. Um, we were operating, we had members in our band that were Christian. We were operating in the Christian music scene in general just because of the bands we were playing with and whatnot. And uh, also just working, you know, doing some tour managing stuff with Christian bands, like the ins and outs of it, hearing anytime you mix like a business, business, making money, making your living with something like that, you're literally playing with people's emotions. I mean, essentially, right? Their their belief and all that stuff. Just very odd. It's just a very strange thing. I remember having a conversation about Brave the Storm, just saying, like, should we be a Christian band? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was going to be a choice. And Yeah, I mean, you got cool points back in the day for being a Christian band, sort of. Which is weird because yeah. it should 100% be the opposite. I feel like if you declare yourself as a Christian band, that just alienates so many people. Right. Well, I, I mean, I mean, I'm like sitting here talking like I'm sort of godless heathen or something like that. I mean, I have my own beliefs, spiritual beliefs. We've talked about it, I think, to a certain extent on an after party. Maybe. Regret. No, that after party never made it to air. I don't think. Really? We talked about religion and then it ended up just being uh, a bad episode. So we never aired it. Yeah. Um. So... Where's it go? Oh yeah, what might I, be the only lost episode that we have. What I will say about about that, the like older I get, the more I think satanic symbols are hilarious. <laughs> like, oh, I, I legitimately I, f- find it like I want to put an inverted cross on a sight and sound T shirt so bad. I've always I think thought, it's fucking hilarious. I've always thought it was hilarious because I don't know. And this I, is just me being ignorant. It, it's purely because of how serious people take it. Like anybody. Oh, there goes Kayla kicking the mic stand. Like I said, any like you, her head is buried in that iPad. You will pro. literally see like like rap rappers that do drugs and talk about oh yes fucking women and stuff. Like, Hell yes, wear crosses and stuff like that, and they just don't take it as seriously, quote unquote. But you throw an inverted cross on something and droves of people are like how dare you what and i think it's so wh- funny what is that what is what like when people just have the most carefree like they party and rap and say all this vulgar shit and then they have a tattoo of you know first corinthians uh, I, some of the shittiest people i know have scripture tattooed on their bodies well <laughs> And I've always just thought that was hilarious. I think more than anything, it's, I think it comes down a lot to a tie of where you came from. Like if you have like a strong family structure and, or I mean, not necessarily a strong family structure, but if you have a strong tie to your family, they were raised, you were maybe raised in a Christian household or something like that. It's representing your family values uh, not to a certain extent. That's what I'm talking about. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking just, I'm speaking in general, like, you know, I don't know. Why are we talking about this? I just thought about it. What? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's okay. Ha- let's take a break. All right. Let's Kay- do it. Kayla's got her legs up on me. Yeah. I'm you, getting hot. You need to breathe. I'm getting so hot. Yeah. I don't even know where the thing is. Hang on. All right. We'll, we'll, we're going to take a break. You're going to hear a, a Studio Sweden commercial. Okay. 
Headphones are a massive part of our everyday lives. Chances are you're probably listening to this podcast on headphones right now. That's how important they are, and we know there are a lot of headphone companies out there to choose from. Let's talk about Studio Sweden. That's S-U-D-I-O Sweden. They offer a wide range of different types of headphones, including traditional wired options as well as wireless. If you're an iPhone 7 user, you're probably looking for a pair of affordable wireless headphones, and Studio Sweden has you covered. They've got wireless earbuds as well as over-the-ear options. And if you like to stay plugged in, they've got you covered there as well. Go to studiosweden.com and check them out. If you pick up a pair, make sure you use the promo code SIGHT and SOUND15 for 15% off. That's SIGHT, A-N-D, SOUND15 for 15% off at studiosweden.com. So let's talk about TV. First things first, I am, here we go, just, just be, just be, Kayla, um, bees, oh, we'll talk about them in a minute, bees, I am really coming around to YouTube as a platform, like, getting, just now, (laughs) like, no, I don't mean the idea of, like, the, the benefits of YouTube, I mean, as far as, like, YouTube is known to be accessible in the comment yeah. section. But as time goes on, the more and more I have fun with it. Like the comments. Like normally, like usually, particularly with your recent uh video videos on music. Well, it's not like she get, it's not like you actually killed a girl. We we get we get a lot of negative comments, yeah. but Usually it would give me anxiety, like I have to respond to each one, and like I have to, I'm I'm gonna feel bad because my video only gets thumbs down or bad comments or whatever. But I'm actually coming to the ra- coming around to the fact that just a bunch more negative comments just means that our video has volume in general. I told you that the other night, uh, so it makes me feel good. But well, look, real quick, the thing about the thing about a quote unquote negative comment, there's like this weird thing where. People feel like if if they don't agree with what the video is saying, then they have to be a, ja- a jackass. Like, and, and that's there are people I, I put up that being as an ocean review, and there are people on there that didn't agree with it and were perfectly fine. They just were like, I, I don't agree, but you know, here's why. Da, da, da. If you don't agree and you leave a good comment, like it's you know whatever constructive or you illustrate your points i celebrate it like i'm like yes that's you know we don't agree music subjective blah blah blah. but then yeah you have some absolute jackasses on there sometimes i love when people leave you comments saying yeah they'll insert mute the point music is subjective and it's like we know jay yeah jay's videos are not really like negatively strong yeah typically so it's like like I gave I gave the album a C. Like the person is just watching a video on someone's take and he's trying to tell you that music is subjective. It's like, yeah, no shit. That's why I'm going to fucking make a video about what right. I think about it. And you can tell me what you think in this comment section but without being shitty. Anyway, what I'm getting to is that I posted my uh American Horror Story Cult premiere reaction. It was like 5 days late, but that's fine. I uh, posted that last night, and uh, what led you to watch this show? Because we needed content to talk about for. Well, I mean, it's, weekly. I mean, it's a 
massive it popular is a big show. show. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and it's an and I made this point in the video. It's an anthology, so it's like, yeah, I might not have liked earlier seasons, and yes, I think that I have a general idea, but it's it's worth a shot to at least watch the premiere and see if this is something that I might get into. So I had no problem watching it. Um, but yeah, I was just having the, the point I was making is that usually some of those negative comments that we got or that I got, uh, a year or two ago would have driven me insane, but I was just having fun and I, I think it's funny, but anyway, yeah, I watched, uh, American horror story cults premiere, uh, last night made the video and, uh, I want to talk about, I want to talk about our history with the show for a second. Let's do it. I talked about it in the video, um, but I watched season one in its entirety. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Ditto. And that was back at the time when I didn't even know what the show was, but the show had a lot of, it was just mysterious and there was always something to keep me watching. Yeah. Which I think is one of the biggest downfalls of this season and a couple of other seasons that I've seen, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I just fell off in season two, and I'm not even sure why. It just got away from me. Um, Actually, that's not... No, let me backtrack. Because a few seasons had already happened when I watched season one. So it's not like I was up to date to begin with. I watched season one in its entirety, and then Coven was coming on the air. And I watched about half of that and realized that I was over it. I watched the next season, which was Freak Show. I watched like three episodes, was already over it. Then the next season was Hotel, watched the premiere, over it, didn't watch last season at all. In fact, I don't even remember what it was titled. Right. Um, Wasn't it one with, like, aliens or something? Uh, no, I have, I have no idea. I have no clue what last year right. was about. But it's just been so hot or cold. And I want your take on this because I this this show has a very passionate fan base. And it's almost annoying they're almost as annoying to me as walking dead fans in a way because i think at this point the the people that i'm talking about i'm not saying every fan of american horror story but the ones that i have in my head i think will just like the show no matter what and i found that annoying yeah and i think american horror story fans are very guilty of that but at the same time and this is this is either a strength or a weakness of the show, but sometimes I think people just like the show because all they need is an hour of weird stuff happening. Uh, I think the point, I think the more important point is horror fans in general, and Luke, I could already hear Luke Jaggers right now. Horror fans in general, I feel like there is just a different sort of vibration through those movies that people care about outside of quality does that make sense there's a more of a forgiveness it's almost the exact same thing that i would say like marvel movies or comic book movies in general is we just view and respond to those types of movies with almost a completely different set of criteria i would agree with that and i feel like horror is a similar thing and you're either much like comic book movies you're you are either a fan of it or you're not now here's the thing with this show First of all, I don't know how involved Ryan Murphy still is with this show. As involved as ever. Okay. My opinion on Ryan Murphy, I think he is, not only do I think he is, I think he should be celebrated as one of the greatest 
TV creators in history. I think he is incredible what that man has done, not just because of the critical and commercial success of the things that he's done, but the the straight-up diversity in what he's done. I mean, you're talking about – and things that – so you have somebody like uh, the guy that does all those CBS shows. Uh, I forget his name. Chuck Lorre. Chuck Lorre. You have somebody like that who knows the recipe and can execute these things, and he knows his audience. He knows how to make a successful show. Shonda Rhimes being another example of that. And then you have somebody like Ryan Murphy who is doing the same thing as somebody like a Hugh Laurie on a much different level. Chuck Laurie. Chuck Laurie. Excuse me. Hugh Laurie's Dr. House. <laughs> Early, <laughs> earlier today, I said to my, I was trying to think about this point and I was like, Hugh Laurie. And then I was like, no, that's the house guy. And then I just did it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Ryan Murphy doing the same thing in terms of making, you know, successful shows and whatnot but just dipping his toes into different waters. I mean, American Crime Story was such, first of all, it was amazing. And a huge... People vs. OJ. People vs. OJ. Huge critical success as well. My favorite show of last year, by the way. I don't know if you know this about me or not. I loved Glee when it was on. I fucking loved it. Even Kayla said, what? It's a it's a show that obviously has its mainstream appeal, but it's also a pretty smart comedy. Like, for what it was, it was a pretty smart comedy. And I'm happy for you. Yeah. And Glee. And American, American Horror Story, a, another thing. This is something that I don't really care about because I'm not, like, the biggest horror fan in general. I, I watched the first season, I think, after three or four seasons had already been on the air just to see what it was all about. You know, I'm a massive fan of Connie Britton and anything that she does. She's great. Uh, Friday Night Lights. She's great. And just in general, that season was so good. I loved every second of that season, and I was super ready to jump on board to season two, watch two episodes, and said, I don't care about this Which anymore. is interesting because I've heard season two is the best from a lot of people. Can I tell you the number one thing that took me out of that show? Okay. The first character you see in that season is Adam Levine. What does that matter? It just took completely took me out of the show. It's like throwing Ed Sheeran in Game of Thrones. I think that's the one plus. And I think if if anything, uh, not to give away, well, I can give it away. I already made a video about it. But (laughs) if there's anything that's going to get me to watch next week's episode, it's because of how interesting the cast is remains yeah like billy eichner will be on next week's episode and uh i would i I would love to see him do something like this even if it's just to see what he's doing like i've made jokes about i'll watch amelia clark do anything yeah is she in the show (laughs) i wish i would watch every week if she was but uh she's trying to sabotage this podcast i know her leg is cramping up Probably because you have it situated. Look, like now that. the dogs are getting riled oh up. Oh my god, this podcast is this, so fun. This is an American horror story right here. Yeah, it is. So an American anyway, a podcast I think that's horror what, story. I think that's one of the the, the pluses uh, of the show is how interesting the cast can be. Uh, I love how you use the word diverse, even though it's totally true. Um, but it's also ironic how every single show he just casts Sarah Paulson. 
Right. Um, but look, w- what we have here is uh, this season is called Colt. And the backbone of it, I remember when this was announced, this was actually what got me back into the show was that it was going to rely on the 2016 presidential election. Yeah. And I remember that being very clever because I know Ryan Murphy is, you know, he's homosexual and I know that he's, I know that he's also very liberal and he cares very much about uh, social activism, which is something I'm totally on board with. Um, I was also interested in it because I am so anti-Trump. Yeah. And I guess at the time I thought that a show like what are this. What doing? Talking about politics and religion on this episode. What the hell? I thought a show like this would. Goodbye, 700 subscribers. Would be, right up, would be right up my. Well, this goes on SK Plus, so we don't have to worry about it. Um, yeah. I thought it would be right up my alley. No one listens to it there anymore. So um, <laughs> I watched I watched the show, and I realized that that was one of the worst things about it was the nods and the, the now, is on it, on the nose um, is that on commentary. You? Is that on you or is that on the show? I think it's on the show. Really? I mean, I haven't seen it, so. I think the show, and this was actually... Does it do it cleverly or smartly? No, it's okay. not clever. It's not clever. Sarah Paulson, literally in a scene, is eating dinner, and she happens to be on her phone. It shows Twitter... Donald Trump's Twitter, it shows him, he shows one of his stupid tweets, and she says, oh my god, I wish he would stop tweeting, and then the rest of the scene goes on with her wife. It's just on-the-nose commentary, and I find it very annoying. Yeah. I would say something like that. Right. So it's it's not like I'm offended by it, like, how dare you attack Donald Trump? Any other time, I, w- I would make that same joke myself. I just realized that I don't want to watch that. Yeah. I really don't. Like, I thought it would be, it, with the first episode, it was maybe like 40 of, it was 40-60, I think, of what this show was about. And I, So I don't know how much the rest of the season is going to rely on the storyline. But it just made me realize that this is not, this isn't entertainment. This is actually just tired. Yeah, I'm tired of this. I don't want to go watch a show, and it was unfortunate because again, I, and I I will admit that at first that was what I thought brought me in, and I now that I've seen it, I don't want anything to do with it. It's it's fascinating in general, uh, to sort of look at it objectively and to look at the state of pop culture entertainment now as opposed to what it was like in the last eight years because and i think it's safe to say that for the most part uh pop culture landscape and a lot of the people that we follow and and know and whatnot are more liberally minded um regardless of what you think about that people listening doesn't matter but i do think it's hilarious now that because in the last eight years yeah, people would talk about politics here and there. It's not that, you know, it happens. They talk about it. But because someone with the opposite viewpoint is now in the White House, the pop culture pulse, so to speak, the temperature in pop culture, entertainment, all those people that we follow is just so overwhelmingly negative and right, rightfully so. 
you know, again, regardless of what you think, but it's so it's you are constantly inundated now with reinforced negative messages on social media, on the news, on in in your day to day lives of taking in pop culture. Now, um, it reminds me of when I was getting super super into music during the Bush era, and a lot of stuff was super anti, you know, and we, we just haven't had that in the last eight years. Yeah, we have, but not like we had or like we will have. So it's just fascinating now to see this literally crossover into the entertainment spectrum. The band we're going to talk about later today. Yes. Dips their toes in politics. And they always have, uh, they always have, and maybe people are, well, um, yeah. Yeah, and and I I hope I don't come across as a sore loser because I'm obviously anti-Trump and I I voted for Hillary and I, and that's not to say that I thought she was the best candidate. I thought she was the only candidate. I mean, it came down to that point, but I, I don't want to sound like a sore loser either because I actually do, I think the show actually um, represented it evenly because the Evan Peters plays the rabid Trump supporter. Yeah, Sarah Paulson plays the rabid Hillary supporter. And they both are deeply flawed and both have a mental illness about them. Right. So it's not like they're favored one or the other. I just happen to know what side Ryan Murphy is on, you know. But, um, well, I mean, and I guess my question to you, just for conversation's sake, is do you think he has a responsibility to uh, make his show in an objective manner, regardless of how he, he feels? I think... I, I, me personally, I think that's a smarter show to do do it that way. I think you mean to be even, not not consciously be even, but explore explore absurdities of both sides. Well, it's it's interesting. That's interesting because, like, right now you look at the landscape of late night TV, mm-hmm. flourishing because they are all anti Trump. Isn't that so easy though? Isn't it, that super simple content? It, it is easy. Yeah, but it's like. It's kind of like all we're left at, left with at the same time. It's like there's no reason for any of late night to be talking about Hillary anymore because she, because in stand up comedy it's, it's incredibly hacky right now. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the take on it. If you go up on stage with political content, you're looked at as a hack. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but I mean it's pretty much that's I wouldn't go that far. It's 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 easier. It, it's so simple. It's, it's easier. It's such simple. Content. I would I would rather have more interesting comedy when right. I, if i went to a stand-up show i don't only want to hear trump looking like a cheeto jokes right um so anyway but what I, my point is that tv right now is flourishing being anti-trump so if they went that way i would understand it but at the same time it's like like i said it's like a 40 60 balance of like kind of where they are with there are two backbones to the show because there's an overall mystery to it uh, versus the you know the backbone of the election, but uh, it just depends on if that side of it starts to go away because the characters have their own like I said they have their own mental illnesses and ticks already that you're picking up on uh, regardless of that, uh, and that's another criticism that I have. It's like with the show in general, and I I had this problem back when I watched the premiere of Hotel, the premiere of Hotel was just scene by scene by scene of just 
any weird. It just seemed like any weird thing they could think of. Right. There was no hook. There was no end with any character. It's just like let's show Schmidt from New Girl drilling a guy in the ass with a literal drill as a penis. Yeah, and, it, and the, it's and that's what that's what that episode did, and it gave it just. I didn't want to watch it anymore because it's like that's that's all you are to me. I feel like you are everything but the kitchen sink when it comes to just let's just do whatever. We, and, and that's sort of what it's, I'm talking style over substance. I don't even know if I would call it style, but, it, but you know, it's, you know, it's, what it's, I a, mean. it's some kind of purpose. I guess they have some kind of purpose for it, but it there was no way in for me. And and I think there's more of a way in with this season. But again, it's just like not only is this rabid Hillary supporter. She has, not only does she have one phobia of clowns, but she also has several other phobias, including the uh, phobia that our friend Christina talked about. Yeah. Uh, which was like the fear of holes. Tryptophobia. Yeah. Is so that what it's called? called? So it's called. She knows what it's Tryptophobia called. Tryptophobia. Sound- now. Okay. Maybe, maybe that's it. It's something like that. But uh, Christina can let us know. But, um, uh, she has multiple phobias. And I think that, is that's just simply the the metaphor for the entire show. Right. It's like she doesn't have it's not just a problem with Trump. It's a a phobia with clowns, but she also has multiple phobias and, and including this particular phobia. And I feel like that expresses all of my problems with the show. It's like it can't just be one interesting thing. It's just Whatever we want to do just to make the show weird for the sake of being weird. And it was just really annoying. Yeah, I think that's a good take and a good uh, examination from like an outside perspective uh, from, you know, from an objective perspective. Again, I do think it is important to address that there is a fan base for the show, not just specifically for the show, but for content like this. And again, I will go back to relating it to comic books, superhero, even science fiction types of movies. Like there are just certain cues that you and I probably aren't in on that other people really, really enjoy about things. Things, And I'm sure it's a similar thing with The Walking Dead too. It doesn't surprise me that we don't care for The Walking Dead as much as, you know, uh, again, because you and I, can get into just about any TV show. I mean, we one of our favorite TV shows of the year is a TV show about housewives living in California. Yeah. I mean, as long as there's a good storyline, that's what breaks through and crosses over. But from time to time, you also just get people being eaten by zombies. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, I think, I think all are fine as long as people aren't hailing it as this great thing if it's not. Does it make sense? That's yeah. when it bothers me. It's like... No one's going to say if you if you love Daredevil season two. No one's gonna no one's gonna say that it should win Emmys. You know what I mean? Right. Like if and if you are, you're completely just misguided. That's how I feel about. I mean, I haven't watched this, but that's how I feel about a show like Walking Dead. It's just like the yeah. politics aside, and the fact that it's a horror show aside that. Another big problem, and this will be my final point, is that there's just nothing to keep me wanting more. 
there's no hook at the end. There's no, there's nothing that existed in that episode that grabbed me and said, come back next week. Like, I don't even know what else can happen, but there was no epic climactic moment that there's just, there's, there's not enough of that because there's just so much of all this weird stuff. Like I watched that episode expecting that and then sure enough, it failed me. So again, it's, it's only because, and other people might not be as forgiving if I happen to watch next week's episode, it's because I'm curious to see what someone like Billy Eichner would do in this type of show. Right. And that's, I'm watching it for the actor. I'm not watching it for any particular character. I'm not watching it because I appreciated how it contributed to the genre. I don't care about it. It's just, that's such a particular Snelling thing yeah. that I, I, I just don't understand I, I'm surprised that because season one was so great and season two is heralded as the best from a lot of people that I know personally, I'm surprised that I just hear no more crit- – I don't hear any criticism, and the, I find it very strange. There are some TV shows, and I always find this fascinating. There are some TV shows that just all of a sudden they fall out of conversation from the TV discussion, TV criticism landscape in general, like you re- – you will rarely hear American Horror Story be spoken about on something like The Watch. That, that it's it's not even because it's bad or I mean they they might cover it like oh the season started here's I, some news. I about think it. there was a time. That's what I'm saying. Like when it, when it was new. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's a hundred percent a thing. But then they're just like oh we're just not going to talk about it. Anymore. <laughs> it's like okay, like like I remember uh, what was the one on Hulu, um, that they were talking about for like a hot minute and then they just like stopped talking about it. Uh, Handmaid's Tale. Oh, okay. Like they talked about it for a minute and then. Well, it's a huge show. Hand, Handmaid's Tale. I hope the mic is picking up. Was that Dolly farting or groaning? She was groaning. Okay. Cause she's as over with this. <laughs> she's over dramatic. That's fine. No, I was, was going to say she's over this discussion. No, I'm, I'm done too. Um, so Look, yeah, I, I am not pleased. And, uh, yeah, that's my take. I would actually love to hear from some people that watch the show. Yeah. And, and just let me know how you're feeling about it because our YouTube comments were funny and I didn't mind them, but they didn't give me anything. Right. For sure. <laughs> um, let's, yeah, let's move. Let's, we don't have to take a break right now. We'll take a break before our last segment. But um, what uh, what do you want to move on into next? Just depends. I mean, I bo- we can both contribute heavily to both of these topics. Let, let's I, just, I guess it doesn't matter. Let, let's go into to movies because, look, th- this topic that we're going to be talking about today has been talked about extensively. There's no way in hell we could have gotten away with uh, not talking about this whole Colin Trevorrow situation, him being removed from episode nine. Let's just catch people up if, so, if they're new with, with our thoughts on him directing episode right. nine. So I was uh, lucky enough to get to talk about this on my movies episode. So definitely go check that out if you haven't already. Um, yeah. So my thoughts on Colin Trevorrow getting the job uh, a couple of years ago uh, to direct the conclusion of this trilogy. It felt absurd. 
Uh, I've gone on record to say that J.J. Abrams being announced as director of The Force Awakens was like the biggest movie news of my lifetime. Right. Because we were talking about the comeback of one of the greatest and the potential of what Star Wars could look like nowadays. Uh, and it being paired with my favorite director at the time. And it was just nothing. I thought about Star Wars Episode Seven every single day for three years of my life. Um, that was a huge, that was huge for me. The announcement of Ryan Johnson directing episode eight was almost even bigger right. of a deal to me because I realized, wow, this is the the direction that Lucasfilm is going. It also just with made trilogy. It also just made a ton of sense. Like they could it have announced did. Ryan Johnson for episode seven and it would have made perfect sense. And you know how big of a fan I am of Looper. Yeah. I, I love Looper. Yeah, I really, really I, do. I, I have, you know, I have my issues with Looper, but I I still can acknowledge that it makes so much sense. And it's incredibly, incredibly exciting that Ryan Johnson is doing this movie. Now, yeah. we both, <laughs> we, we both, uh, we both saw Jurassic World together. We did. And we both have very, very similar feelings on it i think i think safety not guaranteed is a good movie it's not a movie that i think justifies would have ever justified colin trevorrow getting episode nine nor do i think the financial success of jurassic world i don't think that justifies him getting episode nine and and people can say what they want about that that movie was it probably for a lot for most people just a fun movie yeah i get that i, I had my own issues with it but even walking out of Jurassic World, there is still no reason for Colin Trevorrow to ever be named as a director I love how, for one of these films. I don't know if you saw it, but I tweeted out Jurassic World is empty calories. Yeah. And immediately people responded as if that's they knew that that was a negative connotation. I was like, I guess if you know me personally, you know that I probably... It's like a Jay and, Williams take. But it was like saying that something is empty calories is just saying that it's like it. you could take that as saying it's a guilty pleasure. But they automatically knew that I didn't like it. So they were already like, come on, Snelling. I was like, you don't even know that I meant that in a bad way. That, that That's only a movie community reaction, I feel like. Like, <laughs> like, like me saying me saying that uh, Immure is nothing more than than breakdowns. Like, I mean, that's essentially true. But the. <laughs> <laughs> like to say they offer nothing more is just not true, but most music fans would like understand that. I feel like movie fans just they don't want you to say anything negative about something that has a positive light to it. Does that make sense? Sure. Like like I can say uh I can say Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy was good. But if I then went back and said actually parts of uh the last film are unwatchable they well how dare that's just my take i already said that the trilogy's fine like i don't know that's a um, side note where were we christopher nolan let's, for episode nine let's talk more no i hate that <laughs> well, well we i want to talk about that we can talk about that so um so with jurassic world so i thought uh, the film is just fine i watched it a second time to make sure that i thought what i thought <laughs> uh was real and 
it's fine. It's fun. I think it's the best thing I could say about it is that it's. I think it's uh, the best Jurassic Park sequel. Um, but it's thin, and it is it is empty calories. I I do believe that. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot to take away from it. Um, and and yeah, it was fine. It was fun, and I I would actually I actually would give him some credit for uh, doing that. But as I said before on the podcast, and I've said it again, Jurassic World didn't inform me at all as to who Colin Trevorrow is as a filmmaker. And I saw Safety Not Guaranteed, but I it warrants a rewatch. I need to see it again for me to comfortably talk more about it. But uh, I thought the movie was fun, and I enjoyed it. But I still don't know who Colin Trevorrow is as a filmmaker. I didn't see his stamp. I didn't see his identity or anything. So I walk away having uh, that. That's such a weird statement too. The stamp, people putting their stamps on things is a very popular phrase to throw out. This isn't directed towards you. It's just me reacting to that phrase has been thrown out a lot lately. Like when you're working with these big, uh, with these huge franchise movies like this, how much room do people actually have to put their stamp on things? Force Awakens was exactly what I thought it would be as tonally. It's it, 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 that is a very much a it is Star Wars. That's but totally that is a JJ Abrams. That's totally but tell. but the tone of a movie has just as much to do with a screenplay as it does with whoever's directing it. it I it, it's I maybe I should have said it made it so simple, but I, I can just tell from the 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 tone and just the the personality and the identity of the movie the same way David Fincher is one of those directors David Fincher maybe stamp isn't the word but it's 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 it, the look and feel and it, it's identity it, it is the identity and the personality so I I look at Jurassic World and I'm still I haven't nailed down what a Colin Trevorrow movie looks like what me. his identity is right yeah. and I st- and to be totally fair I still haven't seen Book of Henry. If, if um, anything, it's a little bit more like kind of funny, like dark humory almost. Like there are parts in Jurassic World that were like slapsticky comedy. I mean, what parts? Straight up, I, we've talked about this before. That whole storyline with old dude Jake, what's his name from New Girl? That that whole section of that movie, the fact that it was even allowed to be in there is ridiculous. It's not really slapstick, but. It's ridiculous. It's absurd humor in a movie about dinosaurs trying to wreck shit. Yeah. Um, so, and again, so I haven't seen Book of Henry, but so far from what I've heard in the trailers and everything, like, I don't see any parallels <laughs> between what he did with Jurassic World versus Book of Henry. And maybe that's my fault for not having seen the movie yet, because maybe Book of Henry would let me in on a Trevorrow, more of a Trevorrow movie. Uh, but I've heard that that is not something I would walk away from being happy about, <laughs> because Book of Henry got such horrible reviews. But I don't even have to talk about the Book of Henry to talk about the fact I reacted when when he got episode nine it was just the first time I went, eh. But, and the reaction, it, which is funny about it, because even before I was even thinking about covering anything movie-related, I had a similar idea. It's not as much of a reaction to Colin Trevorrow directing a Star Wars movie. It's about 
Colin Trevorrow not having the experience to direct not only a Star Wars movie, but the final chapter in this trilogy. (laughs) Right. Probably the most pivotal pivotal moment. Like if anything, it should have been JJ Abrams doing that one. Like Yeah. I mean, it just and and we talked about this and I feel like most people have this take now. Uh, but I texted you once I found this out is more than anything, I feel I, I do feel bad for Colin Trevorrow because he had this dream moment taken away from him. But I do any any quote unquote blame. And a, a heavy air quotes is more on Lucasfilm for putting him in that position. Now, with that being said, yeah, I can with, see that. with that being said. Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy have nobody to answer to. Nobody. They don't have to apologize for this. They don't even really need to be embarrassed, in my opinion, for this. Because their job is to ensure the safety of this film franchise at all costs. And in my opinion, hats off and huge thumbs up to Kathleen Kennedy because I agree. she it is not only her job to ensure that but she is actively making sure that it happens. Now people can say all all they want she runs this tight ship, it's her way of the highway. Yeah. That's how it should be. And there's a reason why she got this job. <laughs> she and she's also just the when it comes to the as far as I know the structural archetype she is number two to Bob Iger. It's like she is in this in this position for a reason, and she's yeah. already knocked it out of the park, particularly financially, uh, with two movies already. And if somebody could have stepped in and fired the Wachowski brothers before they did Matrix two and three, we would be talking about <laughs> a different franchise. Yeah. So. You know, what's interesting to me is, we, aside from Ryan Johnson, we are talking about filmmakers that all uh, came from the school of Steven Spielberg. You know who taught Kathleen Kennedy how to make movies? Steven Spielberg. You know who got J.J. Abrams the job for Force Awakens? Steven Spielberg. You know yeah. who got Colin Trevorrow to do uh, Jurassic World? Steven Spielberg. And was probably had probably something to do with him getting episode nine, uh, but it just turns out that Colin Trevorrow happens to be the first uh, bad egg in in class. Um, and so we talked about sort of our reaction, and I don't think any of us were surprised when this happened. Uh, I I am guilty of just kind of laughing it off, just thinking, yeah, of course. So we don't need to talk about. We talked about the anticipation, and we all know he left the project. But there are some new details that have come out that I find very interesting. Uh, And this was uh, leaked out by Vulture. Uh, But I'm reading a more current article from uh, IGN. Uh, The the headline of IGN is, uh, New Report Details Reasoned Behind Colin Trevorrow's Departure. And, of course, all we got was Lucasfilm basically saying, Look, uh, Colin was a great collaborator, but our paths don't line up, essentially, is right. what they gave, which is a very political answer. Uh, a new report regarding uh, the departure uh, has serviced, um, suggesting the director's inflated ego created some friction with Lucasfilm. <laughs> and uh, this came from a source with inside knowledge about productions of Jurassic World and Book of Henry, his most recent movies, obviously. 
Lucasfilm may have fired him because he was difficult to work with. Um, He reportedly focused a great deal of his creative energies on asserting his opinion uh, during the production of Jurassic World. And since he was personally hired by Spielberg, no one could drop him from the project. So there were already questions. And you can say what you want about the film. I'm not going to be hard on that film. I'm really not. Um, But following the success, he did the Book of Henry and was reportedly unbearable to work with when doing that movie. He had an egotistical point of view, and he was always asserting that, the source said. Um, I legitimately don't buy any of this. The only reason I don't buy any of it is because, now we don't have first-hand account, obviously, of dealings with him, but we know Mark and Christian have dealt with him very closely, and if there is one person... That I, I mean, I've obviously I believe Christian Harloff 100%, but Mark Ellis is one of the most sincere people I feel like you could ever speak to, especially from somebody as successful as he is living in LA, all of those things. He loves him from Colin Trevorrow. He does. Like, his, I felt like his heart was legitimately broken, but like, because it was like a friend almost that had gotten ousted. And I, I've never gotten that vibe from Mark's impression of him. I'm I'm not saying that Mark and Christian are liars, but right. I still think this could be true. Oh, it, I mean, it definitely you, could be you true. Make I'm not saying the that. Third most successful believe. movie ever. You got financial. you got a little bit of fuck you power, but you're not yes. Kanye West though. It, like this sounds like some Kanye West shit. And and I re- I remember I've made jokes before. Like really, Jurassic World? Yeah. The third most financially successful movie of all time. It's a, it was a, it's a surprise. Ends up being Jurassic World. Yeah, it's of crazy. All things. <laughs> so I feel the same way about Avatar in general. But. <laughs> um, but the whole point it came down to that this attitude, his attitude from Jurassic World to Book of Henry, uh, bled into his collaborations with Lucasfilm. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy won't put up with that type of personality according to the producer who worked with her. If you rub her the wrong way, in any way, you're out, you're done. A lot of these young new directors want to come in and say, I want to do this, I want to do that, and they don't want to play by the rules, which uh, Kennedy simply won't tolerate. So what I will say about her is that, for one, she knows how to make a fucking movie. But at the same time, Force Awakens and Rogue One are very different films. 100%. So... In, not, in, not not just the final product, but just what they represent in general. And in my mind, I have to think that Kathleen Kennedy knows what she wants in a Star Wars movie, depending on the Star Wars story. I think she's very intelligent and smart enough to know that Episode Nine is going to be a different movie than Episode Eight and Episode Seven and Rogue One and Han Solo. So whatever was going on with Episode Nine... Colin Trevorrow wasn't nailing it. And what's also interesting is we also had the report uh, a couple months ago that he was basically being rewritten on his own film, which I find fascinating as well. Well, there was, I mean, first of all, my take on the entire article is this is sort of par for the course in terms of everything we've, we've heard with, with the star Wars stuff so far. It's the complete opposite take on everybody's opinion of Ryan Johnson. 
the thing that's been celebrated about Ryan Johnson was just how cooperative he has been, which I think is why he's sort of the poster boy of everything right now. Um, but everyone else essentially has had some issues, even J.J. Abrams himself butted heads with the Lucasfilm brass on certain elements of things. So it's just, it's not surprising to hear that reasoning. Um, I mean, do we need to go ahead and transition into potential uh, directors for this film? Ryan Johnson. Here's my take. There's, you just had to do that when nothing's no, happening? There's, there's no point to bark. He just walked out of the room but had to bark while doing it. He didn't hear a noise or anything. He anyway. He doesn't agree with your opinion. Regardless. <laughs> uh, the take on... I, I don't... I 100% don't think J.J. Abrams is going to do this film. But the everyone's take on it... I'm going to... Uh, so I heard Christian speak about it. And he represents the people that don't want JJ to, to do it. I think it's a little bit ridiculous. Like, because he, he, he was just so opposed to JJ doing it. And a lot of people who are giving the surefire bet to Ryan Johnson, I get it hundred percent because it makes sense, right? You're coming off of a movie. He obviously is familiar with the process and, and he's trusted and all this stuff makes a hundred percent sense. I would say if you're going to put your bets on somebody, put them on Ryan Johnson. Like he's the favorite in this fight. Now my issue with hearing some people's take on it and, and honestly Christian's take on, on Jedi council. Well, it wasn't Jedi council cause he wasn't on there, but I think it was a news report when he and Ken were talking about it. He smokes. It was on smokes. But it, there was also a news report. Oh, okay. A separate Jedi council news report regardless. Yes. His, his take on it was that, he before giving the reasoning of well he, he's coming off of one this and that it has to be him because of how good episode 8 is going to be i just need to i just want to put things into logical perspective no one in the public has seen this movie it yeah it everyone says it's 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 seeming to be great and i would agree with that but we also need to prepare ourselves there is a potential. There are porgs. There is a potential that it, it could not be good. I'm just laying it out there how it is. And and that would be completely fine. If it, go away. If it wasn't good, that would be completely fine, right? If the movie was terrible, no, it wouldn't be good at all. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it it should be Ryan Johnson. I, I think ju- <laughs> just from uh, just from straight up. Just from a straight up logistic, logistical standpoint. However, <laughs> there are people that I would I would love. There are people that I would love to to see have an opportunity. And everybody's talking about what people are. Their time is already taken up. I do think somebody like a Patty Jenkins would be hilarious for her to step into this position because she is in this negotiations right now. Why hilarious? Because she's in negotiations right now with Wonder Woman. And she is one of the only people who is not preoccupied. The watch, uh, Andy Greenwald had a pretty interesting take. How interesting a Ryan Coogler uh, Star Wars film could be, and I think that's a really interesting take on that. But um, it, you look, a lot of the names getting thrown out. Of course, it would be cool to see him, but it's just not logistically possible. People like a John Favreau, Fa- Favreau. Uh, obviously, obviously, I would be 
literally lighting couches on fire in the street if Christopher Nolan got named for a Star Wars movie. But it's not happening. It's just not yeah, happening right I'm now. I'm glad you said that because Th- there's no way in hell it's happening. Because I, I like to give you a hard time for always going there, even though you're definitely not the first person that thinks of Christopher Nolan when it comes Absolutely. to directing Star Wars. But for one, that's not his type of film. There's no way that he would decide to direct a Star Wars movie unless more it was more like Rogue One and where it just didn't have to look like Star Wars in any capacity. But I just I even then I have just such a hard time bridging what Christopher Nolan does when he makes a movie to what Star Wars does when they make movies. Well, I think the point and the, the, the greater point is not only is it hard to see I, I will go out on a limb and say you do not want to see what a Christopher Nolan third film in a franchise looks like. You want Christopher Nolan helming a standalone yeah. or potentially an entire trilogy. That And that's exactly. And look, that's why I uh, – look, let me go back on what you said because you said a lot. I will have the same reaction to – the announcement of JJ or Ryan getting it. I will have the exact same reaction and it will be fist pumps to either one. My first go-to is Ryan Johnson because yeah. I think that Ryan Johnson, um, for one, I like the idea of it, this movie being not as safe uh, and being darker. I like the aesthetic that he will bring to it. And I think that we've already seen some things, some decisions that Ryan has simply just made better, which uh, to be specific, Snoke, what Ryan, the look of Snoke and what he seems to be doing, the fact that it's not, it's more motion capture and more realistic than what we got in Force Awakens, which just kind of seemed over animated in a way, not as seamless. It's also a hologram. Yeah, but I'm talking more about the motion of it. I don't care that it's a hologram. But uh, I think what he's done with Snoke so far already looks better. Um, I could care less about the scar on Kylo Ren's face. I know that that's a change he made. I, I don't care about that. But um, It's also just not a big deal. Right. And um, that's why I go to, to Ryan. I think he, 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 he's already done number two. He can just bridge and just keep, keep going. It just makes more sense in general. But I will have the same reaction if J.J. would be announced. But I I don't have to go out and be like Matthew Vaughn or Christopher Nolan or I don't have to do any of that because. Yeah, I I don't know why people are are so quick to go that way because especially, look, I love Matthew Vaughn. I think he's great. You know how much different, not just how different a Matthew Vaughn movie would be from a Ryan Johnson, a Matthew Vaughn movie would be from. Even a JJ movie. I I think Matthew Vaughn is Matthew Vaughn was who I wanted to direct Star Trek Beyond. As soon as I heard that JJ wasn't directing that movie, I said Matthew Vaughn. Um, I think Matthew Vaughn is a little bit more disciplined. Actually, he's all about making fun blockbusters. But when you look at Kingsman or Kick Ass and the X Men First Class, yeah, he he point. knew that those are different films. He put the reins on. Yeah, yes, and. And X-Men First Class is one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. So, yeah, I know. I said it. It's a great movie. It's phenomenal. The best X-Men movie. Anyway. I agree. So, I think Matthew Vaughn is a more educated choice than, say, Chris Nolan. But I'm not immediately going to that. Because Matthew Vaughn, again, directing the third in this trilogy with J.J. It just doesn't make sense. 
And the Ryan thing does make sense um, across the board. So that's why I'm going there. Ryan Coogler is a cool pick, though. I think it, that's, it, but but I also have no idea until I see Black Panther. I will have no idea what because you refuse to watch Creed is what you do. But no, it doesn't even have anything to do with that. His other his other two main films, even though I haven't seen either of them, I know what they entail. What are his other Fruitvale two main ta- Fruitvale Station and Creed? Oh, Creed, you're. Cool. I mean, they're so like they don't dive into anything unrealistic at all like i mean at least yeah. black panther will know what like a superhero thing looks like um it definitely sounds cool now if we're talking about grounded street level star wars films i say you go christopher nolan and uh obviously ryan coogler all day i also really want to see i'll tell you another one who would have been really interesting for something like this obviously if if ryan johnson said i absolutely am not doing this and jj abram said i am absolutely not doing this the only other safe bet to take over from what ryan it seems like ryan johnson is doing for me personally because i think they're sort of semi interchangeable is denis villeneuve i think why <laughs> why why are you laughing because basically Everything that we've said about Christopher Nolan, I would apply to Denis Villeneuve. Why is that? I mean, we haven't seen Blade Runner yet, but... We also haven't seen Last Jedi yet. And I know that Blade Runner is... Yeah, I know that Blade Runner is... Okay, look. Looper um, is very much uh, a student of what Ridley Scott did with Blade Runner. Right. And so we're kind of, and then we're talking about the sequel of that film, obviously. So maybe it's not so apples and oranges, but I'm just strictly looking at filmography. And I think Denis Villeneuve and um, Christopher Nolan are basically like filmmaker, filmmaking cousins at this point. So I I just see it the same way almost, but uh, maybe Blade Runner 2049 will give me more context. Well, that's essentially what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it's a good bet. Also, just darkness in general. Is there anybody that does dark films better than Denis Villeneuve? I don't think so. Um, All of his movies depress the shit out of me. One interesting take is always go to uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah, that's a good one. You're saying saying wild card, like wild card safe bets. No, I'm I'm not saying I want him to direct episode. I know, but but you're saying wild card safe bet. Yeah. like they both tapped out, you got to bring in somebody to make sure it gets done the right way. Basically, the uh, understudy, the sixth man, if you will, to come in and ensure the game gets put to bed. Alfonso Cuaron would have made a hell of a great Rogue One. I agree. Well, I don't know about Rogue One. <laughs> he would have made Rogue One way better. I think. Um, I cannot bring myself to rewatch that movie. Jen Erso is not a great character. I agree. She's pretty empty. A lot of those characters aren't great characters. Yeah. Darth Vader is the best character in that movie. The robot is the best character in that movie. Yeah, arguably, yeah. Yeah. Um, where else did we have to go in this conversation? I don't think anywhere else, but also okay. don't really want to take another break. Let's take another break. I'm going to pee. Oh, I thought we were going to be able to power through the entire episode. Or you're just getting tired. You're slumping. No, I'm 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 just, I'm feeling good. 
Okay. About the conversation. All right. This couch sometimes it's it's not the best move. Kayla's falling asleep beside you. I'm gonna to sleep in general. Let's take a let's take a break and I can go pee pee and I'm gonna go relax my jaw. I'm gonna go extract feces out of my dog's rectum. We'll be right back. There is a ton of content over on the Sight and Sound YouTube page. Obviously, you can listen to us talk via podcast form, but we've got you covered with a ton of other content as well. I'm doing album reviews and music discussion. Ryan is doing movie stuff. We're doing TV stuff. We're doing vlogs. A bunch of shenanigans over on the Sight and Sound YouTube page. All you got to do is go to YouTube, search for Sight and Sound, subscribe to our channel, or you can click in the link in the description box of this podcast and subscribe to us. It's good times. Watch our faces. Listen to stuff. YouTube is the place to be. You said uh, off air that you were super excited to talk about this week's music topic, which Mm -hmm. makes me happy. Um, When, so I want to say it was like two weeks ago, there was news that the band, the metal band, the metalcore band, whatever you want to call them, uh, Architects, that they were going back into the studio. Now, in general, this is big news, and we're going to talk about why it's big news and all of that. But I said at the time, when that news came out, that that wasn't big enough news to sort of cover on Sight and Sound Weekly, just because all it was was an announcement. There was no music to come with it. Nothing had been detailed. Sort of out of the clear blue sky, um, I guess it was this past week, we got a brand new Architect song that was dropped. When I mentioned, I think when I mentioned that they were going back into the studio, I noticed that you had started listening to Architects a little bit more recently. Is that a fair statement? No. I didn't start my Architects phase uh, until today. Before this, you were listening to them. I saw you listening to I them. I haven't listened to Architect. Oh, spot, I, haven't listened, I haven't listened to music at all since you told me that announcement. I think it's a fully lie. Um, the last played song on my Spotify was Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. <laughs> and you remember when we last talked about that. So, um, so the song came out. Just before we get into actually the song in general, what was your reaction to the song coming out? And why in general were you, are you so excited to talk about it this week? Uh, I'll answer the second question first. So Architects is all I have left, Jay. <laughs> they're, they're the only band. May, maybe bring me the horizon a little bit. Maybe like you, me at six. They're the band that I forget about with you. Who architects? Yeah, because it's <sighs> it, it's hilarious. Because I mean, I know that you enjoy them. I know that we have that common interest. But it's funny to me because they are one of the most metal bands I think you're going to really listen to. Like, like I don't even call them metal. I mean, I, I, mean, I know, but legitimately I, a metal band. Yeah, but metal to me is like what Trivium and all of those guys are doing. And architects don't. They're not I, too far from trivia. I mean, I, w- not- I would call them metalcore still. I I wouldn't. Well, that, I, wouldn't I mean, say, that's what I mean. Like, uh, you I mean, don't you don't really dabble in. I would I would call them metal in the same way that you kind of blanket so many bands, screamo bands, but I don't think they play metal the same way that Metallica does. You know? Eh, yeah, I mean, 
we we could go down a weird rabbit hole with that, and we won't. But I I always I always uh, have you lean more to towards like a screamo or post hardcore realm of things, and then I remember I'm like, oh yeah, he's a big fan of O Sleeper. As I lay dying, <laughs> I'm, no, architects. I'm not, no, I wouldn't. No, um, but uh, Prada, another band. Yeah, too. So I've talked about it before, but there, there's always these bands that I think have the. I feel like they're they were made for me. Like they they have this particular interesting recipe where it's like that that is perfect for me. I love this sound, and I only want that for the rest of my life. And uh, so those are the exceptions, right? There are plenty of times where I've talked about how I want to hear bands evolve and they have to evolve to keep me interested. But there are also, on the other hand, I like the idea of, like you said, an O Sleeper. I like the idea of just having 50 songs that sound like O Sleeper instead of having to worry about this stage in their uh, uh, of their evolution or this stage of their lives, what, what have you. You're talking about the familiarity. I, I like the familiarity and the comfort zone because – for it's it's the sound that it works for me and I can't get it anywhere else and because it's just so it grabs me so much architects is is the exact same way for me I love the it but it's actually different because I think architects at least for me I can pinpoint their explorations a little bit more but they're still the through line right they're still just architects is architects uh, but it's also, I guess, maybe it's maybe it's not fair too because architects. I feel like they might not have been around for forever, maybe like ten years. But they've also had like much longer than that. Yeah, I was gonna say they've had a lot of full lengths, regardless. Uh, had, ten this, years, yeah, ten years is a solid is statement. Is this one coming out their sixth? It's their seventh, full, I believe. Seventh full. So here's what I will say about architects. The funny thing about this band, um, I. I'm not trying to sound like Mr. Cool Guy or anything <laughs> with this. Uh, I literally, I don't remember what band we were talking about. There was like one random song that I had just never heard before. And I had admitted it on the podcast. Uh, the band Deftones, who have been around forever, celebrated band, just got into them like four years ago. Uh, but Architects, I remember, do you remember back in the day people used to give you like, well, I don't know about you, but they people would give people iTunes cards. No. Okay. Well, it used to be back in the day, like around 05, 06, people would give me like iTunes cards for my birthday and I would go out and buy albums on iTunes. And I remember having some money left over and browsing around on iTunes and I found Architect's very, very first album. Like it was the only thing that was available from them with their original singer, um, their current singer. It's not their original singer. And I bought it and I listened to it and I, I loved it. And I remember being bummed out when they got their new singer. <laughs> like I was like, man, that sucks. They got a new singer, man. I mean, this is a band that they're out like for it's strange. They're also a band that depending on how old you are and when you got into architects, I feel like they have an album that represents different, uh, different eras for people. Like for me, the defining, architects album was hollow crown um that was the album that really i was like holy shit there wasn't the album that influenced my band that i was in the most i don't think it's their best album but it was just the breakthrough album for me they're also a band that in my opinion has never put out 
a bad album and they've also never put out something that's been less than great. Even the one album that we were talking about off air, the here and now for what it is, it's actually still a pretty great album. Um, just maybe not what fans were expecting at the time. Now I want to continue on with our, our discussion we were having. I do want to say this last time we talked about a band of this genre, we talked about August Burns Red. It is very, very important for me to distinct the two august burns red is a band that is big in their music genre that has barely changed at all and i find incredibly uh uninteresting well it's also the fact that for one i can look you know that i can have a good time with august burns red eric knows over the years we've had our august burns red phases but eric the, adjust my levels the one thing that doesn't work thank you uh, the one thing that doesn't work for me is that the particular type of music they play, what can get annoying is that they play so fast it, it feels like songs are never ending. Because by the time that they've played 10 parts, yeah. you're only admitted in to the song. So they can, can they can wear on you a lot more. Uh, whereas I, I think that's slightly different than like, because at that point you're not even necessarily talking about the sound or genre that they're playing in particular it's, it's very showy their their method yeah it, it's very showy so I, I mean architects are also a band and this is strange they've they've budged well architects are, are uh like a lot of other of their contemporaries in the sense where in the metalcore music genre some of the best bands and some of the biggest bands in the music genre I'm I'm thinking about a band like uh, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, Every Time I Die, Converge, Architects, obviously. Throughout their entire career, they're not making overwhelming like changes, just complete left or right turns. Even a band like Bring Me the Horizon, how much their sound has evolved. You kind from album to album, you kind of understood. Like I think the most drastic change, and it's not even that much of a drastic change was probably from uh, the the one with Chelsea Smile on it. What's that album? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, that one. I didn't like them then. That one into uh, There Is a Hell. I think. Do you think that's the most drastic change? Simply, it, it's not. But like the one, Simp Eternal to uh, the, their latest one. I think that's the strongest change. But it you still could understand it. All mm -hmm. they did was sing more yeah right mm -hmm. it wasn't like some there, it, there's an evolution it wasn't 808 and heartbreak no no <laughs> no, 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 no it was uh yeah it, it was a it, it was an understandable I, evolution and i think the same can be said for architects exactly for, the, their biggest drastic change was the here and now they whereas august burns august burns red doesn't budge but yeah architects has and there has been like i said there has been more of an evolution i think and uh that uh, is very apparent. I, I had a good time going back and revisiting their albums. Uh, the only album that I didn't listen to in at the present time was Hollow Crown. Right. But I've been with them. I remember when the Here and, no, Here and Now came out, and it was the first time I even knew what Architects was, and it blew me away. Uh, but I had a good time revisiting that album, and it's much more uh, punkish than sort of what they've evolved in uh, now. Because I would have actually labeled that album uh, I would label it because, uh, you know, when you go to iTunes or I don't know how it is now, but there's always like three genres yeah. that you would pinpoint it in. I would put it hardcore with that album. Yeah, um, definitely definitely more of a just a 
a rock feel in general, like even more post-hardcore. Like yeah. uh, the band singer has often said that the album Visu by Thrice is one of his favorite albums of all time. They actually covered a song on from Thrice on one of their albums. And well, it's like yeah. I remember that part. Uh, what the, the part that includes the lyric to here and now? It's that snare roll to all those who live it in the here and now. It's yeah. like they would never. They they aren't doing that anymore. <laughs> Do you have a favorite album from uh, Architects? It, I, it, this is also one of those discussions that whatever your favorite album is, I would be like, you're completely fine with. There, it's such a it's such a sh- straight line for me. It's in terms of quality. I think I think the the album I have no problem just saying no. It's not my favorite. It's Daybreak, the one after it, because that's more of like a top heavy album for me. Whereas like as the album goes on, I'm just a little bit over it. I would say. I would say that it would either be it would either come down to the here and now or lost forever, and I think lost forever would probably edge it out. Yeah, I, so I'm going to remove um, the here and now from the discussion, and I'm also going to remove their first two albums from the discussion because uh, those albums are all very, very different from what like the main. Our idea of what architects are essentially are Hollow Crown, Daybreaker, Lost Forever, Lost Together, and All Our Gods Have Abandoned it's, Us. It kind of reminds me of like Under Oath. My, like Under yes. Oath wasn't Under Oath until Spencer was there. That's right. That's you completely know. right. Um, my favorite album from Architects is Daybreaker. I think it's <laughs> their most uh, versatile album. It's their most diverse because it still has a lot of elements from the here and now in it. There are songs on it that are yeah. slowed down. Um, it's just more a more progressive album. Um, <laughs> Lost Together is my least favorite. Oh, really? Album of those, yeah. Um, which is also interesting because All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us, their most recent album, I think is one of their best albums. But it's also probably the least risks they've ever taken. Yeah. But that album is every single thing from front to back that you would ever want from Architects. I think. I think there's the the least amount of evolution actually comes from lost forever into 100%. so it it just fa- felt like a continuation of the of lost forever um i think when i'm looking at the albums the here and now i told you this earlier and i i remember talking to eric about this years ago that album the here and now just fucking gets down and uh, my favorite song uh, stay young forever i i feel like that i could just fight a bear when i hear that song it just gets me so amped up and then when it gets to uh something like lost forever i feel like it's just so tough it's but it's it's incredibly aggressive but it's also uh a little bit more apparently thematic oh 100 because i remember i remember talking about the song broken cross yeah God only knows that we were born to burn, Blah. and uh, the the lyrics because they were also putting out those music videos that had right. like their lyrics flying in and out, and so Which it was, was super a lot annoying. Easy, it was a lot easier to learn the songs that way. And uh, so I remember like talking to my friends about what these songs kind of mean, and I yeah. remember I remember one of my diehard Christian friends uh, ha- taking issue with the song, and so I remember just all kinds of things about that album. And it, it I think those two albums. St- stand out to me in those ways just just more history 
uh, with them. So that's sort of my thought process. Yeah, and it's it's funny too because for all our gods have abandoned us to be one of their best albums coming this late in their career is amazing. And because of the fact that it is a little bit more one note than some of the other albums, <clears throat> it's crazy because the, one of the things that makes it one of the best in my opinion is this is a band just essentially perfecting everything they've done in their career thus far. It, the songwriting on it is incredible. There are great choruses on it. It's the production on it makes it even heavier and they even throw some textural electronic elements in the background that I, th- I think are amazing too. Um, the one thing that I will say that hurts most Architects albums, and especially their most recent, is the fact that they are so one note. So at one point, at any point in the album, if you're no longer in the mood to listen to heavy music, there's no coming back from yeah. that. Like it is very in your face. Um, but it, in my opinion, it was one of the best, if not the best heavy albums that came out last year. So the reason we're talking about this, why this is such a, a big deal, isn't just because they're one of the biggest bands and one of the like one of the best heavy bands around right now. And active. And active. Yeah, very prolific band as well. It also has to do with the fact that um, their last album, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us, was their last album with their guitar player, Tom Searle, who... Uh, he passed away from cancer, a long battle of cancer. A lot of the, so Tom Searle, not only was he uh, a member of the band, he wrote all of their music, every bit of it, the lyrics, the music itself, the arrangements, everything came from him. So his passing away, not only was it hard on the band as individuals, it was also hard on them as creators. I mean, it was a massive, massive deal. And people had always talked about that day coming like what would it mean for the band and this and that the lyrics in that in that album all our gods have abandoned us are eerie to listen to because it talks about him dealing with his mortality uh it's just a very very heavy album both sonically and thematically um so the fact that they announced that they were coming going to make another album everybody is interested in what it's going to sound like you know how are they going to come back around as songwriters and now getting this song, Doomsday, is is very big. Now, one thing, and I told you this the other day, a lot of the thing, one of the things that people aren't really addressing with this song is everybody, a lot of people think this is like the first song without Tom Searle's involvement. That's not true. This song was the last song he ever wrote. It just was never finished. Um, so I guess, I guess let's just get into it. I mean... Tell me your thoughts on the song and then tell with everything we've said, does anything that I've just mentioned about this being the first song that they've at least had to assemble and do you think it makes a statement as where the band's going? So my first impression of the song, uh, when I walked away from it the first time, I remember thinking that this sort of elongated intro that the song has sounded like the previous two architects albums that we got. So very much the familiarity. Exactly. Yeah. So, so very much his style. Uh, Cause again, it felt, it just felt like a recycled part. Frank, to be Frank, um, literally, literally sounded like it was lifted from another song. Yeah, on the previous it, album. it sounded like a bridge from another song. Yeah. I was trying to think about what it was on the way over here, but anyway, after listening to it more and more and really hearing this, I think what architects did for a while, 
and this was actually something that Brave the Storm actually did, maybe not to the same extent, but what I did with uh, with the music is instead of like the pop the pop structure of having your course done three times uh we would do it twice and then instead of having a third course we would just make a really interesting part there in its place and then the song would kind of be unique in its way and so i think architects has definitely had it had its hooks in the past but they didn't always follow the structure the same way that a a day to remember would or bring me the horizon is doing now um I don't think that that's not the case here, which is very interesting. So you're talking about the fact that it's still it's still a leftover song, but I think the song is still very much unique. Aside from aside from what the intro does and how that's sort of like the through line of it, you also have a a fucking pre-chorus. Yeah. Which architects might they may have done pre-courses before but none that are this apparent. Right. And not only do they have a pre-chorus to three choruses, I believe, in this song, but they all have variances to them where, like, in your final chorus, you, you that's where you tone it down. That way you can build back up into the chorus. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're making those variances and change up within the repeated sections of the song. And they don't do that often. They've done it before. I'm not but, saying I'm not saying it's totally new. It's not but, as apparent. But it's not as apparent. And I tell you what though, this song again sounds like an evolution in the sense that this sounds again, aside from the intro, everything else, the meat of it sounds like another band. Sort of, yeah, to a certain extent. But, but tell me if you agree with this. Still like what we were saying does sound like an evolution that you can understand. Yes. It's not completely taking people off guard. Yes. I this isn't a judgmental um observation. Right. But aside from that intro, it sounds like he is what's the lead singer's name? I should know Dan this Carter. because I love him. Is that his name? Or did I just make that up? What is his name? Uh, Sam Rega- Carter. Sorry. Dan Carter is a podcaster. Sam Carter. He sounds like Ollie. I w- I would actually say that Ollie sounds more like like him. I f- fine, I, yeah. but it, it's in fact when um uh, what's the song on on some paternal the first single from it um can you tell by looking around yeah what is that song called the first time I heard this I thought to myself oh okay bring the horizons architects it, now <laughs> this is our architects sounds like bring me the horizon now whereas like yeah. if you go to spotify and you look up their related artists they're like brother bands oh, and of course they come they're from friends the same, too yeah. yeah i was gonna say they come from the same place uh this is the most bring me the horizon song and uh it was kind of uh it was kind of fun again going back to the fact that we just came off two albums that are have that kind of singularity to it right i i uh the more i listen to it and the more i learn the song uh, I actually like that take. I told you that the other day. I said the song gets better the more you listen to it. It does. And I'm having a lot of fun listening to it. Yeah. And uh, But again, though, I mean, it's still, uh, the, you still have the talking point that that this song doesn't have to represent what the rest of the album is. And I don't That's know true. that it. I don't know that it's possible. Uh, so. Yeah, I want, I want to talk about that, too. The, the, the funny thing, and I, I talk about this all the time, that Music is so much more interesting when there's 
stories behind it. And obviously there's a, a tragedy behind like a lot of stuff we're talking about. But with that being said, examining the song itself, there's so much to pay attention to. One, will they succeed at writing this, putting the song together without their main, you know, the crux of their songwriting yeah. no longer being there. Also, where are they going to go? Also, what does this represent? Because this could be one of two things. This could be, I'm just going to throw this out there, this out there. This could be the song that identifies their direction where they're going. It could also be a departure. This could also, they could put out uh, another here and now. Now, they could say this is going to, our swan song for the sound. I don't think that's the case, but I'm just saying. Um, it's also fascinating to just examine some of the decisions that they make. For instance, if you pay attention to the song, one of the familiar familiar things, that opening riff, and, and you're right, because we talked about this too. Yes, that opening I can pick I can pinpoint the parts where they are staying the same and the parts where they are clearly being different. The middle breakdown where they go super high up and do a harmonized guitar part in the breakdown. We've never heard that from architects. Never, not once. And that's awesome. That's really cool. But that rhythm, the boom, 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 that that opening breakdown is repeated throughout the entire song. The rhythm, yeah, exactly. the rhythm, and everything. It's just it's very. The, it's very much the the through line of the entire song. It's varied throughout the entire thing. Um, the other thing that's fascinating. So, when I went back and was sort of re-reviewing Under Oath albums one of the things that i realized that a lot of people don't do in this music genre it became very popular to sing and scream but it also became very predictable because it was scream the verses sing the choruses under oath never had that familiarity i mean they have in their songs before but define the great line I mean, they would just sing and scream whatever the fuck they wanted to yeah. but one of the things that made those those parts so special is that they would isolate individual moments and if you listen to this song the song and we, we were listening to the plot and you song before this is song does the same thing during moments when it gets more quiet the music will drop out essentially and they'll have some electronics some keyboards or something and just some picking little noodly parts right to and and come back with all that energy and that's that's good songwriting man that is great songwriting now what i will say I do have one minor negative to this song and it's super nitpicky and it's just because I am examining it so closely. There are parts of the song that they probably do need to work on as songwriters. There are some really, really awkward transitions like where they just don't transition as smoothly as we've heard from architect songs in the past. Um, It could just be because this was an unfinished song and they piece it together. Could also be because they're sort of learning and, trying to figure it out on their own. Um, the last little thing I will say about about this and your comparison with Bring Me the Horizon, I told Luke this. I don't know if you saw it, but... No. Um, I said, if architects are trying to go down a similar path as Bring Me the Horizon, they have all of the tools to not only achieve that, they have the ability to exceed that. In every way, shape, and form, architects he's a better singer architects in general are just a much more talented and that's nothing negative towards bring me the horizon it's just the facts they're a more talented band they're a more diverse versatile band 
like Sam Carter is one of the best vocalists in metal. I when he sings, his like screamy sing, I don't know how he does it. I don't either. His it's range something I would kill to have. His range is unbelievable and his ability to go in and out of screaming and singing is is phenomenal and he pulls it off live this band has all the tools to be i mean i think they are already great but to exceed that's what makes this so exciting the fact that they have all these tools and i mean it's awesome i think the only complaint that i had and i think it's one of those things that you it catches you off guard the first time you hear it and you're not even sure not with you maybe someone else but uh i thought there was some clunkiness with like how some of the arrangements were with the the vocals over it sounded i agree the i I think it's the pre-chorus uh it just sounded clunky it didn't feel like the vocals matched the rhythm of the guitar and everything that was going on uh, but sometimes you, sometimes I hear those parts and I'm like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Like I, I can't compute that. But then there's other times where all I have to do is continue listening. And then I, it, then it starts to make sense for me. Uh, so I think, uh, I think it actually is going to be more of the latter, but, um, the big, that was sort of my first kind of, okay. <laughs> the biggest nitpick I had with it, with the song. And I, I feel like it was like kind of a missed opportunity in the chorus of the song when he goes, good day, yeah, I wish there was a like a uh, an accented like cymbal hit on that, and like the guitar matched how he sang that part, but it doesn't. He just like I don't know. <laughs> that's you good. also, I mean, that's another thing. The, the way that the intro kind of makes you think, okay, what? How? How is this new? Right. So, I I was I'm, I was guilty of uh, feeling that when he starts the chorus with yeah. that line, I was like, again, that. His voice, and again, that's what's the main reason why I'm so attracted to this band to begin with. For one, I, you know, love my vocalist, but at the same, again, he his voice has a lot to do with why I stick around because it's so interesting. Uh, but at the same time, uh, iconic. I think a lot of people, oh yes, bite all yes, over yes, his yes, nuts. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you also, you know, the extent of it. I guess, like. Yes, it's different from the here and now versus what he's doing on Lost Forever. Right. But you can only do the sing scream so many ways during a course. Oh, a hundred percent. So, and this isn't really this isn't something I'm saying I dislike. I'm just saying that again, it starts out feeling like something that is familiar. Uh, but I actually overall think this song is very interesting. Well, that that opening chorus is actually relatively quiet. I mean, he comes in like super quiet and builds up to something a little bit louder, which I I just have to say, and and you're included in this, if people enjoy this, this honestly reminds me of things they did on Daybreaker. I mean, Daybreaker opens up with a song that is like almost completely sang. The opening song barely has any screaming in it at all. There's a lot of songs on that album. Is that the quieter song? I think that's the song I always skip because I always always go to... But see, one of the best parts about that album is the sequencing. I mean, that song starts out quiet and leads into a big, loud part at the end and drops out into, you know, the next song, which is incredibly heavy. 
I like Feather of Lead. That song gets down. That's sort of the Stay Young Forever of that album, Feather of Lead. It has a really fun part in the middle of that. Maybe I'll put together like a... a I was going to do that. A starter pack of... Uh, well, yours would, only, yours would completely omit songs off of Hollow Crown. And that's a... No, wouldn't. I would put Every album. Last Breath on there. I don't even know if that's the best one to put on there. Oh, I have no idea. I'm just... It'd obviously be Hollow Crown. I just threw out a song from or No, album. it would obviously be Early Grave. That song is so good. I'm glad. All right. That's uh, that's pretty much it. You guys need to check out Architects. De- Definitely check out the video. Actually, no. The video's hold on, cool hold on, hold on. I, I actually want to ask you. Yeah. Is it possible if the majority of our audience doesn't care for this type of music, is it possible that Architects... Can you find an album that is a gateway album? Um, because it's still, a, if you are someone who listens to bands like Jimmy Eat World all the time, it's still a harsh. They do a great cover of Bonnie Vare's, uh They do. <laughs> uh, Blood Bank. It is really good. <laughs> yeah. But we're still talking about a harsh band. Yeah. So I'm wondering. I would say if if you have a hard time getting into like slipknot then you might don't waste your time <laughs> like if i don't know though because like and this might be a particular this might be a special thing but sturgill one of my best buddies sturgill best man at the wedding i won't have um he knew for a long time i was in brave the storm and you know the type of music that i would listen to his gateway band of all the bands that he th- couldn't stand was O Sleeper, Son of the Morning. And it baffled yeah, I don't me. Know why. It it that baffles me. But ever since then he was in and he could Should listen. Should have been a mirror. He could listen to anything and he got to that point. I never in my life would have imagined he would listen to something like a mirror. So I'm wondering, yeah. is there a band or is there excuse me, is there an album from Architects that might just stun someone because I would say start with the song Doomsday. This one? Yeah, that's probably the song that's the, okay. mo- the most accessible if you're going to no dive, in, dive into the rest of their catalog. Watch I mean, the video with it? Or? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. It's a decent video. I mean, why not? It's a, it's it's a cool. cool video. Yeah, it's definitely a cool video. A lot of meaning. I think especially after listening to us talk, you'd probably understand more about what the, the video is about. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'll... I'll Let's collaborate on the okay. playlist. Let's just do twenty songs. Uh, I'll yeah, I'll give you my ten must haves. Yeah. Okay, good. Stay young forever. One hundred percent going to be there. <laughs> Isn't Ollie Sykes on that album? I can't think of what song. It, I don't know. I can't think of what part of this. I know uh, they they have a guest vocalist. Uh, well, the Dillinger Escape Plan vocalist is on. That, that's who it for is. Sure. Yeah, I know that for a fact. Um, and then. Is he, does he, is he the guy that sounds like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Is that what he sounds like? Yeah. Okay, and yeah. then Sam Carter is actually on a, on a Bring Me the Horizon album. The one before There Is a Hell. Anyways, that's it. Great music talk. Great music segment this week. Um, guys, you can find me guys. on Twitter and Instagram at J Williams, J to the A to the Y to the E. It's the same for both. Uh, check out our social media that we're not updating at all. <laughs> At Sight Sound Pod. Um, I had to address that on the music episode. I was Christina said that she misses our polls and 
I got excited at first, and then I Eric, got fire down, up a poll real quick. I got down to the dumps again because I'm like, yeah, I love the polls too, but Jay doesn't give a shit and he doesn't contribute to the you, polls. I want you to keep doing the polls. Just let you, it, you have to be in on it too. It's funnier when I'm like, what's a poll again? Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe it's, it's gotta, not about me. Yeah, but if I'm the only one that comes up with them, and then I'm also the one that's doing it within the episode, that doesn't work. We both have to be in on the polls. No, I don't think so. Just, yeah. Just continue doing it. I even gave up on Song of the Day. I forgot about it two days in a row, and then I was like, I'm just not going to do this right now. I'll bring it back. But you can find us not posting at Sight Sound Pod. Also, getting close to a 1,000 subs. Hey, I, I, I said I thought we could do it by the end of the year. Yeah. I called that like months ago. Do you think that's possible? I think it's absolutely possible. I need to be uploading some more. I was going to say. Music reviews. <laughs> that's been killing it. This that's, past. That's been working. This think past, of how quick we went from 500 ridiculous. to 700. It's ridiculous. It was like in yeah. the span of a month. Yeah. Like a month Pretty and close. a half. I mean, this last New Music Friday was kind of a letdown, but. What do we have to look forward to? That let, uh, like moths to flames. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at What Up Snell. Make sure that you go check out our September exclusive t shirt right now on the here and now. SightSoundPod.com. Get all of your uh, t shirt goodness over there. You've seen some of the fall shirts, a, a few ideas I'm working on. What do you think of those? I don't remember them. Yeah, the one with the, the skunk. The one with the skunk on it? Yeah, I remember the one with the skunk. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh so Well now I'm gonna have to do one with the ma- skunk on make it. Make sure real. that you make sure you uh, keep your eyes peeled and your ear to the ground for the skunk shirt. And uh, Should I put a skunk on it and have it say sight and sound? Smell you later. <laughs> sight and sound and smells. That was okay, that's better. Anyway, um, I don't know what else there is. If you listen to us uh, as a podcast, thank you so much. We see those numbers going up as well. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel. Podcasts go up there. You can actually comment and uh, get involved in the discussion. Also, our Facebook group, that link is in the description below. Come talk to us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Goodbye.